you became a millionaire quite quickly. How exactly did you get there? I treated it like a serious business from day one. People don't want to see other people do great because then that makes you question yourself. One of my big passions is changing that culture, like fuck tall poppy syndrome. That is serving no one. Before I was diagnosed, I didn't know that I was autistic and I just struggled so much. The woman that diagnosed me, she said, Jesse, I want you to know that this is a gift. So the way she diagnosed me really helped me flip it, right? Mm. I didn't understand when you work with pure essential oils that they have incredible therapeutic value. All of these people in Australia are listening to the government advice and the Heart Foundation was promoting to eat margarine and seed oils like as heart healthy when the actual science and research is known to show that those things, especially margarine, are highly inflammatory and literally cause heart disease. Don't listen to other people, trust yourself, go out after them and you're going to have to cop rejection like it's going to be hard. Rejection is a big one. If you don't want to do business with me, that's cool, you're missing out. If you're new here, my name is Nelson and I'm the host of the Creative Grid podcast as space committed to help creative entrepreneurs get successful and achieve anything they want in their life. Normally we have extraordinary individuals as guests. Today is not exception. Today's guest is Jesse Reimers. Did I pronounce that right? Yes. Yeah, because I, I think someone in the last event pronounced your last name wrong or something. And yeah, I'm like, and then I corrected her very quickly. So yeah, yeah, Reimers. Okay. Yeah. yeah. How do people normally pronounce your last name then? Um, some say Reimers, which really irritates mm. me, but it's Reimers. <laughs> it's a German surname. So oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, cool. It. I have to say, you look awesome. Thank you. First of all, I really like your style. We met about a month ago now yes. on a fuck-up night event. Shout out to the organizers. It's been really cool to just be in a space where there are people that it's it's like all different levels, right? Like there's people that have made millions of dollars, seems like a lot of entrepreneurs and people that are in the trenches and just people that want to get into it. So I think it's, in that sense, it's been pretty cool to get a little bit of exposure to all the different levels. Um, so yeah, that, that has been awesome. Before we get into it as well, who are you? What do you do? They t tell us everything the audience needs to know about you. Jesse. Sure thing. So I'm Jesse Rymers. I've been in business for nine years. My primary business is I sell essential oils and mm. natural products that support people's health physically, emotionally, energetically, mm. and help get a, get rid of like all the toxic synthetic, you know, cleaning products and synthetic fragrances that damage hormones, mm. lower testosterone, that kind of thing. So helping people live a more natural wellness, like preventative model-based life around their healthcare. Mm. And then I also run a venue in Burley Heads called Focal House, mm. which has a photography, videography studio, a music recording studio, podcasting room. Mm. Um, it has like a co-working space. And then mm. upstairs there's a venue. So we have like live music and poetry nights and contact dance and lots of different fun community events. And then there's a little like studio downstairs and also like a makeup and wardrobe space downstairs as well, as well as like chill lounging spaces and a bar where I sometimes run my pop-up elixir bar. So lots of fun, creative things. I love to sing and dance and play. So mixing business with like creative connection and creating basically a creative hub on the Gold Coast. So yeah, that's my main things. And I love to run events as well. So yeah, all different events from like kind of ecstatic dance mixed with different creative spaces and yeah, just fun things that light people up. I definitely want to get especially into the focal house side of the business, but obviously we need to backtrack a little bit. How do you get to where you are? Because you're doing super well for yourself. Um, from my understanding as well, you have passed seven figures and everything. So tell us everything of how you got to where you are. Okay, that's a big story, but I'll try and like make it a little bit shorter and punchier. Um, so when I was maybe like in my early 20s, I started to get really, really unwell. I had significant gut health issues. Like basically I would eat foods and my, my mouth would swell up, my tongue would swell up in my mouth. I got really bloated all the time and was in pain in my stomach a lot. Um, I also had like significant skin challenges, like cystic acne, um, basically from like 14, 15 until, yeah, like, the last few years, it's cleared up a lot. So that was really hard. I was having panic attacks a lot as well. I got diagnosed with um, Asperger's, high-functioning autism, when I was 23. Um, and, yeah, I was my, – my immune system just was not functioning properly. I would get sick basically every time I went out. I was hospitalized six times in 2011. At one stage, I was down to 38 kilos. So I was very, like, malnourished and struggling to receive the nutrients from the food I was eating. 
And basically, like, I grew up on a shitty kind of Australian diet, like wheat bix and milk, microwave food, like eating lots of sugar, lots of, you know, potato chips and two-minute noodles and, like, you know, left school and started drinking on the weekend. So my gut health was ruined. And also I had meningococcal when I was 18 months old. So I spent six months in intensive care. My parents had to visit me in hazmat suits. And they said if I got to the hospital half an hour later, um, I would have either lost all of my limbs or just died completely. So as it was, I had to regrow half my brain um, and I had to relearn how to walk and talk. And massive high-dose antibiotics saved my life and I'm super grateful for that. But they didn't know anything about like replenishing the gut flora, right? Mm. So then I had asthma and allergies and spent a lot of my childhood basically living in the children's ward um, because my asthma was so bad. So I, yeah, I just had a lot of health problems. And so I went to so many different doctors and was told food has nothing to do with your symptoms. Take antidepressants and sleeping pills, which made me like more suicidal and more anxious. Right. Um, and so I started researching basically like, how do I heal myself? How do I heal my gut? Mm. I came across the Western A. Price Foundation. I don't know if you've heard of him, Mm -hmm. Western A. Price. Mm. He's a dentist that studied traditional tribes, like all over the world to see why, um, in mainstream, societies so many people have like gappy tooth and like not Mm. not nice jaw structure and like lots Mm. of dental cavities Mm. and he was studying traditional tribes that ate nose to tail of the animal right and had Mm. lots of animal fats and like churned butter and like Mm. they had perfect jaw structure and they had no dental cavities whereas when we introduced grain-based diet and lots of sugar and lots of seed oils Mm. and stuff you know, people's dental structure, jaw structure, mm. cavities, etc., got really cooked. So I started eating real foods and started studying natural medicine. I left my law degree, started studying natural mm. medicine and nutrition. And then I, my nutrition lecturer was teaching me what I needed to know to pass based on the curriculum and then a separate amount of information of what I needed to know to actually be a healthy, right? Mm. So I was like, this is fucking mm. weird. Is it okay if I swear on this podcast, by yeah, the way? Go ahead. Yes. Right. Um, why, why is my nutrition lecturer telling me to, to pass my thing, Mm. to eat mostly grains, to eat low fat, to have Mm. margarine, canola oil, all this Mm. shit, right. That's highly inflammatory that we Mm. know is inflammatory. And then over here telling me to eat like grass fed butter and like quality animal protein and animal fats, which we're told will kill us and cause heart disease and saturated fats bad and all this shit. Mm. So I got really upset with that. I was like, all of these people in Australia are listening to the government advice and the Heart Foundation mm. was promoting to eat margarine and seed oils like canola, vegetable, corn, mm. soybean oil as heart healthy when the actual science and research is known to show that those those things, especially margarine, are highly inflammatory and literally mm. cause heart disease, mm. the thing they're trying to say that they want to prevent, right? Mm-hmm. And it used to say on their website, sugar as a nutrient is only a concern in terms of dental caries. It's only a problem for your teeth, mm. which is just mm. like such bullshit. Mm. There's hundreds of thousands of studies saying it's inflammation, inflammatory, mm. causes heart disease, mm. all this stuff. So I started this petition to stop the Heart Foundation promoting margarine <laughs> and processed seeds, <laughs> seed oils as heart yeah. healthy, right? And yeah. processed foods. Yeah. Like they've got the tick of approval on Milo cereal, which mm. has 27% refined sugar. They've got the tick of approval on mayonnaise, mm. which ha- has more sugar than a can mm. of Coke. So I was like, screw you guys. I'm going to like do something about this. No one else is doing anything about it. So I started this petition and for two years I sat on my laptop every day and I messaged it to people that were like posting about health and wellness. I would like message little blogs or Facebook pages and also people with bigger followings like the Food Matters documentary crew, Mm. Dr. Joseph McCullough in the US, you know, diet doctor from Sweden, Mm. uh, Cindy O'Meara, all these people in the wellness industry that like was talking about real food and real fat. I was like, hey, guys, I've started a petition. Are you open to sharing it on, like with your following? Most people ignored me, like 98% of people ignored me. And then some people would share it. And so it got traction over time because I stuck at it every single day. I was passionate about making change. Eventually, some bigger people with followings like Pete Evans shared the petition. He's um, from My Kitchen Rules and is you know famous for talking about like the paleo diet and stuff like that. Sarah Wilson, who wrote I Quit Sugar, shared it as well. So it started to get traction. And so I got on like ABC Radio National. I was debating the CEO of the Heart Foundation. They went through three CEOs in the two years that I was running the petition, by the way. <laughs> they were a war with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were yeah. like struggling a little bit to do yeah. with me, yeah. you know, absolutely sending it. I was debating the CEO of the Heart Foundation on ABC Radio National. And she said, um, milk is a great source of fiber. And I was like... 
Bro, do you want to have like any basic level yeah. of understanding about like literally anything? Like this is embarrassing. Bro. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I've got a 13-year-old boy, so yeah, I start yeah. talking like a 13-year-old yeah. sometimes. This shit slaps, that yeah. kind of thing, you know? <laughs> Mom, this cauliflower slaps. That's what he said to me the this other is night. A, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah. So, yeah, I started that petition. We ended up getting close to 60,000 signatures. Um, they removed some of the information on their website, like sugar as a nutrient is only mm. a concern in terms of dental caries. They reviewed the tick program. Um, and also a lot of people started to get educated and I raised a lot of awareness. So people swapped margarine for actual grass fed butter and mm. swapping out canola oil for like traditional animal fats and stuff. Mm. So a woman that followed my blog, cause I had a blog and like a Facebook page where I would share a lot of this mm. information sent me some samples of essential oils and she knew that I had gut health issues because I would mm. talk about my health challenges, gut health issues, autoimmune challenges, mm. and um, that, that I was anxious and I had panic attacks all the time because I'm autistic. Mm. So she sent me Balance the Grounding Blend, Zengest, our digestive blend, and On Guard, the immune blend. And I didn't really know anything about essential oils at the time. I thought it was like, oh, you put them in an oil burner or you use them in massage. Mm. I didn't understand when you work with pure essential oils that they have incredible therapeutic value. Mm. Like when plants grow in nature, they grow the essential oils as their defense mechanism to protect them from viruses and bacteria mm. and mold and stuff in their environment. Mm. And they can do that in our own bodies to protect us from threats, but without creating like resistance because they're so naturally chemically complex. They have mm. hundreds of natural compounds. So she, anyway, she sent me some and I started using them to support my gut health and my mm. bloating went down straight away and I could start to eat more foods and it was really like incredibly supportive. I would put a drop in water, drink that, do a clockwise stomach massage and it helped me a lot. Mm. Then I started using our immune blend on the soles of my feet and I stopped getting hospitalized all the time. I stopped getting sick all the time. Mm. So I was like, this is really impressive. I started using the grounding blend on my wrists, on the soles of my feet to help with feeling less, less anxious. Mm. And it really worked. When you smell something, it enters the limbic system, which is the emotional center of your brain. Mm. And so th that is our fastest track down memory lane. So we can anchor in different emotions and moods and really support ourselves. Um, so yeah, I was really impressed with that. And she said, Jesse, there's a business opportunity if you're interested in that. And I was like, cool. Well, I've like developed a little following. My following has never been huge, mm. but it was very like loyal and trusted what I had to say, mm. right? Because I was like up against the Heart Foundation and mm. talking about mm. stuff that was based on truth instead of profits, right? Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I started sharing uh, essentials on my social media. I started running little workshops, sometimes for like one or two people in my home or at a library. And initially it was a very small movement, but mm. I was passionate about it. I've always mm. been passionate about natural wellness because that's how I've healed through mm. like yoga and meditation and eating whole foods and animal mm. fats and broths and like mm. telling myself I love myself instead of I'm a piece of shit, which was my mm. mindset, you know, before. Mm. And so people um, that trusted what I had to share started buying the essential oils for me. Mm. And I went from Centrelink to making six figures in 11 months from when I first bought my own mm. little starter kit. And then two and a half years, less than two and a half years into my business. So just after I turned 26, I started making a million year profit in my business, which was just like wild to me, you know, like from Centrelink and struggling to feed my kids and pay rent to making a million year profit um, with doTERRA essentials was just like, just beyond anything I ever thought I was capable of or possible for me as someone that was so anxious and socially isolated and like really didn't want to be here, to be honest. Like I was struggling a lot in my life to... Yeah, being, having community in my life and having tools to powerfully support myself every day and being able to share that hope with others. Um, yeah, so that's a little bit about that side of my business. All right. So getting back into what, like everything you were saying, I'm, I'm curious to because I thought when you were saying like the autistic jokes when I first met you, you're, you kind of tend to bring it in a funny, light way, mm. you know, that you're autistic and all that. How has that become almost like an asset to you and your business. I'm mm -hmm. curious to see like how how and when did you manage to switch it from this is maybe a disadvantage to yeah. no, this is something that makes me unique, special, and also I can use as an asset to propel myself to where I'm trying to go. 100%. I, I have turned it into a superpower for myself. But initially, like before I was diagnosed, I didn't know that I was autistic and I just struggled mm. so much socially and to like fill in forms and to do basic things like go shopping and prepare food and like mm. just function 
basically, um, you know, and I, and I have sensory overwhelm. Like I'm very sensitive to synthetic smells, to fluoro lights, to crowds, to energies and stuff. Mm. So that it, my whole life was just like overwhelming and filled with crippling anxiety basically. And so once I was diagnosed, the woman that diagnosed me, Dr. Michelle Garnett, she works with Tony Atwood, who is one of the world leading experts in autism. And when she diagnosed me, she said, Jesse, I want you to know that this is a gift that comes with a set of challenges. So the way she diagnosed me really helped me flip it, right? Mm. And I was like, okay, well, how can I hone in on the gift, which is like I have hyper-focus and when mm. I am passionate about something like I am about essential oils or health and wellness and natural mm. health, I can hone in on that and become so obsessed that I research everything. And then I have this gift to like take complicated things that many people would struggle to like fully understand or they wouldn't have the time to like do all the research and reading and I can take the necessary bits mm and then make them simple and speak in a way that creates it to land in people's bodies and like mm. understand it, mm. right? So I took that and I used that and then I've created a business to such an extent that now the things that I struggle with like housekeeping and cleaning and filling in forms and bookkeeping and accounting, I just outsource and pay mm. other people to do that. And um, also understanding that I am autistic, I make sure to like have gaps in my day. So if I have back-to-back appointments, that's just too much for me. I get overwhelmed and anxious. Mm. But if I have like this podcast and then I know I've got a gap after, I can go to the beach, I can mm. eat some food, I can make sure I do my meditation mm. and my practices and mm. use my essential oils to really like ground myself in. So my nervous system is like settled instead mm. of erratically just anxious and overwhelmed with mm. the sensory stuff that I experience. So yeah, thanks for asking. What, what are the disadvantages that you still have? You mentioned some of them, but what are, would you say, like the, the ones that are always a challenge for you or present obstacles? It's always a challenge for me to like deal with the tax office, you know, but I think that's a challenge for most people anyway. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. It's a, that's a challenge for me too. Yeah. yeah, it's a challenge for me. Like this morning I was at the social brew and this guy walked in wearing so much cologne mm. and like, that stuff immediately gives me a headache and makes me feel yeah. overwhelmed. So yeah. um, it's a challenge for me to like fly anywhere, like going to an airport, dealing with all the announcements, super loud, mm, the fluoro lights, yeah. the like, it's very overwhelming for me. I'm yeah. much better at dealing with it than I used to be, but it's, it's still definitely a challenge. Um, you know, like going to a supermarket even or like, you know, pack fair or a beat, like a big Westfield shopping center is like not my vibe. Luckily, mm. I don't really have to do that much. Like we don't shop at Woolworths. We go to the farmer's market. Mm. So I've kind of set my life up to not really have to deal with things that really overwhelm me. But I do mm. do a lot of travel for my business. I obviously didn't in the last few years, but it's picking back up again. Mm. So I just take like my noise canceling headphones and I have my essential oils and I mm. meditate on the plane and I do mm. things that ground and support my nervous system. But I definitely, like I still, I have a panic attack maybe once every six months as opposed to three times a week. Wow. So there's still challenges, mm. but it's like so much more manageable now because I have the tools and I know what triggers me. So it sounds like as well that you're an expert and you've been doing a lot of research in this health and wellness space. What are the habits that you currently have on a day-to-day basis? Mm-hmm. I wake up, I do my 20-minute Vedic meditation, which has just been such a life-changing tool for me. And then I take my Metapow, which is a collagen powder, nine types of bioavailable marine collagen, and it has NMN, which allows my body to produce more NAD+. I'm not sure if you've heard of this. It's like a big thing in the biohacking space. Mm. NAD plus is a vital coenzyme that supports our mitochondria, which is the energy powerhouse of our cells. Mm. So it supports me with sustained energy and like cognitive function. Mm. I don't drink coffee because I'm autistic. I also have a heart condition. So I don't want to drink coffee for energy because it just makes me jittery and like Mm. anxious. Mm. So I have that. And then I normally go to Pilates or I go for a workout on the beach with Gold Coast Sisterhood, which I'm loving. Mm. And they do breath work and connection afterwards. Mm. Um, And then I'll have a protein, high protein kind of breakfast, like either eggs and bacon or just like reheat Mm. beef brisket from the night before and sweet Mm. potato roasted in duck fat or beef tallow, which is just delicious. That sounds delicious. Yeah, Yeah, so good. And then I generally get into my work day. So mm. start creating social media content or mm. like jump on mentoring calls with my team or mm. yeah, in our Facebook group of our team that share essential oils and wellness with others and support other people to be successful as well. Mm. Um, but I like to mix it up with like going to the beach and mm. having a swim in the ocean, getting my like feet on the earth, mm. body in the sun. Um, yeah, I don't want to be on a computer all day because that'll just cook me. So 
mixing it up with, yeah, spending time with my men or like, mm. yeah, going out, having fun, going to a waterfall, like breaking mm. my week up with mm. time in nature. At what time do you normally go to bed? What time do you wake up? And when you meditate as well, how exactly do you do it? I'm always curious to see like how people are actually implementing meditation because I know there's like several ways of doing it and everyone mm -hmm. has like their own little thing maybe that they do. So I'm curious about those three things. Yeah, well. sure. I wake up normally about 5.30, 6 o'clock and then I just meditate there in bed. I've got this beautiful view of gum trees and the sun kind of rises over the bed. So I open up the curtains and as the sun's rising, Vedic meditation is where you say a mantra silently in your mind. So when you learn Vedic meditation, your teacher will give you a specific mantra for yourself that you don't tell other people. And then you're just like quietly, very, very quietly in your mind, as quiet as possible, just repeating the mantra. That's been really helpful for me because I've always found silent meditation really difficult. Mm. The thoughts and stuff are just like, mm. so for me saying a mantra really, really quietly helps me really drop in powerfully. So I do that straight away in bed mm -hmm. and then I get up and drink my MetaPower and go work out or go to go for a walk on the beach. I go to bed generally between like 9 and 10. I kind mm. of want to be even earlier than that. I'd like to scale mm. it back to 8.30, mm. but like 9, 9.30, 10 is absolute latest. I mm. aim for 9, 9.30. Yeah, that's yeah. A, 8.30 is the sweet spot. Yeah, I wake up is. at 5 as well every day and when I get to bed at, by 8 and I have like half an hour to just read or whatever, just fully like put myself in in low mode mm -hmm. i sleep like a king and i wake up like such full of of energy now, Epic. now going back into the essential oils and doTERRA and all this business model i'm curious to know like okay once you start doing it obviously you sounds like you became a millionaire quite quickly how yeah. How exactly did you do it? Like tell tell us like piece it apart so mm -hmm. we understand how the journey went and what were the challenges to get there. Because mm -hmm. I think like even for myself, like I'm I'm aiming for financial freedom, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm going for millions of dollars. I'm going for all of this. I'm I'm, I'm here to dominate, right? Like it like sounds like you are as well. So I'm curious to know, like first of all, what made it so quick for you because I bet not many people in your space have done it that quick mm -hmm. and then what were like the challenges along the way what, what were you facing on a day-to-day -day? how exactly did you get there yeah I love this question and I love your energy I love that you're going out after your goals and going mm -hmm. for millions as well it's epic to be around people like you mm -hmm. so for me I treated it like a serious business from day one I was like okay this I know that what I'm looking at, it's possible to make a lot of money and I see the pathway mm -hmm. and I'm going to commit to daily small steps in the direction of my dreams, like no matter what, right? Mm -hmm. So I started sharing on social media, just like if my kid gets bit by a green ant in the backyard, I'm going to put lavender on because it's a powerful antihistamine, mm -hmm. removes the swelling and the heat and stops the pain from him straight away. So sharing simple tips like that, sharing that I was using the Zen Jest mm -hmm. and that it's helping with my bloating just sharing like simple, simple posts. Like this is nine years ago I started. So we didn't have reels and stuff. I was just like taking a photo or sharing a written post. Like mm. here's what I'm doing to support X, Y, Z, or here's a recipe that I'm making, mm. you know, as a mom. And then just doing little workshops, like literally on my back patio, but I did them weekly. And I did, it didn't matter if one person showed up like that. Would, a lot of people, this is what happens. People show up in business and they don't get results like second one minute one right or like one person shows up or sometimes no one would show up mm -hmm. and I'm like okay what am I going to do with this time like maybe I'll sit here and do the workshop on a live on mm -hmm. Facebook or Instagram mm -hmm. because I'm prepared I'm here to teach a workshop and no one's here mm -hmm. so I'm going to show up anyway like I saw the vision and I was so deeply connected to the purpose and passion and hope and healing that I knew I could bring to others mm -hmm. that I was just like, also I got so sick of being poor in my life being shit. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm going to do whatever the fuck I have to do yeah. to not be this way. Like this yes. sucks. Yes. I'm going to move away from this shit time and I'm going to powerfully and consistently show up. And like, it was hard. I have severe anxiety. I'm mm. autistic. Mm. Every, before every workshop I ever ran, I was like, okay, how can I get out of this? Can I cut my leg off in a car accident? Can I like, <laughs> I'm sick. I need to cancel. Like I, that, that was my thought every yeah, single yeah. time, but I was just like, okay. And sometimes I did cancel because my anxiety was so severe, but it was less than 1% of the time, 99% mm. of the time I showed up and I kept showing up. And what were some of the challenges? The challenges was like, I was 23 when I started mm. and I was living in a shit house that got broken into four times a year, driving a beat up Holden Commodore where the back was smashed in. And I would take that to workshops and teach workshops. And let people know that you can create financial freedom. And they'd look at my car and be like, 
driving a beat up Commodore, the, the back is smashed in and you yeah. can't afford to fix it. I'm like, yeah, I can't, but here's the vision. Here's where I'm going. So yeah. some people like a year later, one woman messaged me, you know, after I bought my um, Mercedes, she was like, I was at one of your early workshops and I saw, saw the car you were driving and I was like, this is bullshit. And now look what you've done. You've gone and shown us, haven't you? And I was like, yeah, I have. You can still join right now. Just so you know, <laughs> the opportunity hasn't disappeared completely. Um, yeah. So yeah, the challenges also are because my business model, like the more, the reason I'm so successful is I've helped other people become successful. I've helped yeah. other people share essentials and make money as well. But the biggest challenge is helping people overcome the limiting beliefs, worrying about what other people think about them. Mm-hmm. Um, like the fear that comes up in like presenting a workshop or showing up on social media, you know, you've got to like move through your shit to, to show up and share things with others. And also people take shots. Like there's been a lot of shots fired in my direction. You know, mm. tall puppy syndrome is a thing that exists in Australia. Mm. One of my big passions is changing that culture. Like fuck mm. tall puppy syndrome. That is serving no one. You know, in America, people are so inspired by people that are successful and they want to learn from them. Mm. And so I believe that culture is possible to create here. And it does exist here. I'm in spaces where people are like, mm excited to Mm. learn from me Mm. and I'm excited to learn from Mm. you. Right. Mm. And if we can foster more of that culture, Mm. like, fuck yeah, you're killing it. And like, I'm inspired by you. How Mm. can I learn from you? But that was a challenge coming up against tall poppy syndrome, Mm. coming up against people's limiting beliefs, coming up against people's judgment about Mm. who I am and what I'm doing. And like, I'm a very upfront and kind of brutally honest Mm. person Mm. and that triggers people. Mm. So yeah, just having to like, am I going to buy into people's shit around who I am and what I'm doing? Or am I going to be like, I'm going to go out there and help the people that want to be helped? Because also at the same time, while they're quieter, people that I was helping were grateful for that, you know? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it is hard to like tune into, okay, I'm getting messages that this is helping this person a lot with their health or this person is now making money and like supporting their family and way, way less stressed about finances as mm. opposed to Jessie's a loser and she only cares mm. about money and she's a piece of shit, whatever, you know, that's loud. Mm. And to be honest, it did start to affect me. I went through this period where I stopped showing up as much and like went into my shell a bit because it got so intense just mm. being shut on all the time. Mm. Um, and it's been kind of recently that I'm like, no, fuck this. Like I want to, I want to go more places and I want to help even more people. So I'm going to have to tune that out and go out after my goals again and help as many people as possible. There's so much gold in everything that you said there. And, and it's, it makes it so clear to me of why you have become so successful in the realm that you're operating at. And it's because you have all the attributes of someone that that is a champion, not even a winner, a champion, someone that dominates to, to whatever they choose to do, right? You have the self, like delusional belief. I be, and it resonates so much with, with me, what you're saying, because same for me, I don't, I don't think I told you when I met you, I don't know, but um, I'm a former dentist. So I mm-hmm. became a dentist back home in Venezuela. Then, you know, I came here seven years ago and quit all of that because of a tragic loss of someone that was very dear to me that made me kind of reframe life and think of what exactly do I want to do? What's life meant to be to me? What do I want to accomplish and all of that? Um, and then making videos came to be that that thing that, that I just wanted to pursue. And everyone around me was just telling me how stupid I was to quit something like dentistry and such a well like perceive and pay mm-hmm. position in society and this and that to pursue this thing of making videos. You don't want to make money. People, even, even people that I thought were friends back then when I was like, fuck it. I saw these people doing YouTube and I'm like, something told me that I should be doing that, mm-hmm. that I'm meant to be there and that I could do that. Like, I, I, I don't know what it was. Something just told me I could do that and I could do that great, you know, be great at that. And I just started doing it. I remember people just, man, mocking me up. That's why I will even argue that the tall poppy syndrome is a universal thing. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people think it's just in Australia, but in my experience, it's actually everywhere. Yeah. And, and it's I think it's said a lot by your surrounding, by your environment, by the kind of uh, vibe that you put out there as well. Because mm-hmm. like people don't want to see other people do great because then that makes you question yourself. You know, because if I'm around someone that is making millions of dollars and I'm not making millions of dollars and I know that that person works hard, that I know that that person is committed, I know that person has discipline, 
I instantly have to question myself because yep. I'm like, wait, I don't have millions of dollars, but this person does, and this is all they do. That's not what I'm doing. So clearly I'm not as hard worker. Clearly I'm not as disciplined. Clearly I don't have a bigger vision. You know, I, I'm not talking to the right people. So in a way, whether they know it or not, subconsciously, they know, you know, that they're not doing, they're not doing either things right, or they could do, do things better, or they're just being plain lazy, or they're too arrogant. That's actually the biggest reason why I think most people never get to like live a fulfilling life or pursue the things that they love and they have to stay maybe trapped in a job they hate or a relationship they hate. It's because they're, they're too arrogant. You know, there's people out there like you that they could go to and talk to and maybe just learn from. And yeah. they're like, nah, that person no. doesn't know enough. Nah, that, per that person <laughs> doesn't know about my industry or this and that. You know, they're too arrogant to actually change. And another segment is of people that, you know, they, they might be scared to do it of either failing or succeeding, which is super interesting. And so, yeah, that I just had to kind of like drop all of that because everything you said has resonated so much with me. But I also want to uh, bring it back to the essential oil side of things and the business. So how exactly were you making money? You said like it was helping other people mm -hmm. make money, right? So how does exactly that look like? Because I haven't actually heard of doTERRA until I met you a month mm -hmm. ago. And then it, like my friend told me, oh, it's an essential oils company. My girlfriend has used the products and all that. I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah. So how, how exactly were you selling products and then helping people get onto it to sell products? Like how mm -hmm. exactly does it work? Yeah. So basically how it works is I can help other people get a wholesale account. So a lot of it was on social media, but also the in-person workshop. So I would teach people about the essential oils. And then if they want to buy a starter cat, start a kit, sorry, or a custom order, then they can get their own wholesale account. It gets drop ship and I get some commission for them getting a wholesale account. So a lot of our people are just customers. They want it for personal use. They get it drop ship instead of buying toxic stuff from the chemist and supermarket. Then some of those people want to share. So if they share with others, they help other people get a wholesale account, mm -hmm. then they start making commission for that. And so they, then they can get their products for free or they can start earning a side stream of income. And then some people want to create a really serious and thriving business like I have. Mm -hmm. So then they share with more people and they help those other people share. And mm -hmm. like basically you get bonuses and commissions for the more people you help either be a customer mm -hmm. or the more people you help share. And so that's why I make so much money because I've helped a lot of people become customers, but then also helped other distributors. And we have it in health food stores. We have it in spas. We have it in gyms. We have it in, you know, lots of practitioners use our products. It's a multi-billion dollar company. It's the biggest essential company in the world and they're completely debt free and they they have like such an epic you know brand like people love and know doTERRA because they're 100 pure and they're ethically and sustainably sourced so does that kind of give you a bit yeah, of an idea a lot yeah. better and then in terms of the founder like like because that that's what you are right like australian founder mm -hmm. what exactly does that mean does that mean that you got a certain amount of people within it and then you know you you start going above levels until you reach that like high start of that i'm guessing there's no no nowhere to go now is it like what, well, how exactly once you is that? i i'm a presidential diamond leader which is the top rank in the company mm. and then they created this founders club because they wanted to recognize how hard we work to not only train our teams but other people's teams as well like i run mm. lots of public trainings and people can come that are in other people's teams and i just want to help everyone thrive and succeed so they created this founders club where they rewarded people that have worked really hard to create a massive business like I have. Mm. Um, and that means that we get a percentage of the entire country and actually New Zealand wow. as well, uh, volume as well. Like we get paid a percentage of everybody sales, even people not in my team. So that's a big check on top of my uh, bonus check from what I've created with wow. the company. So is yeah. that like a like an annual annual thing? bonus? Yeah. Yeah, that's sick. Yeah. It's How many sick. people do you do you guys have in Australia? Uh, in my team, there's 40,000 people in my team, about 33,000 in Australia. And then I have people in New Zealand, the UK, Cyprus, France, like it's a global business. Yeah. Um, we're about to open in Dubai. We're about to open in Indonesia mm. and we've have opened in the Philippines. So there's founders spots available in those locations as well, which is really, really exciting. Um, so yeah, it's a big business. I maybe introduced 500 to a thousand people. How there's 40,000 people is I helped other people introduce yes. people as well. That yeah. is insane. Yeah, like that's a it's whole like a stadium. stadium. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. is wild. So 
how does it work now for you to make money? Is it literally you don't have to do anything and it's only uh, like everything is monthly recurring revenue yep. from all these people that you have brought into a business? How does it work now? Yeah, it's monthly recurring income um, because we have such a big customer base and we have such incredible retention, like because mm. we educate people about the products. And once they have products where it helps them sleep, it helps with like period pain, it helps with anxiety mm. and it helps them get rid of toxins. They don't want to go back and buy that toxic shit anymore. So they continue to order each month if they want to it's just mm. optional but we have very high customer retention and so I get a monthly check for that we also get like weekly bonuses as well but from here like I want to continue to help other people grow thriving businesses and I can increase my own revenue my earning potential is unlimited with doTERRA because mm. once you hit the top rank you can even open a new account and go for top rank again and you can do that as many times yeah, as you right. want so but I'm really focused on helping other people create big mm. business and then I get uh, a percentage of their volume um, paid out each month. So, yeah, that's what I'm focusing on now is just helping other leaders like get to the top as well. Yeah, I've helped a lot of people make money and I want to continue to do that because it's like it's one thing achieving it for myself, like mm -hmm. being financially free, you know, being able to drive a car that's like not totally cooked and yeah. living in a beautiful home and having amazing holidays. But the feeling that I get when I help other people achieve yes. that, that's like that doesn't get old. Yes. I'm like, oh, yes. yes, especially people who are like struggling financially or have shown up so hard in whatever business yes. model they are in, but it hasn't really given them like long-term sustainable mm. income. It's like, oh, I got to keep finding clients or like chasing mm. this thing. And, you know, this is such a long-term stable situation. So that feels really good. That's like, that excites me. Yeah. And yeah. that, and that's like, there's nothing that comes close to that, right? Like being able to help someone else that was so desperately needed the solution that you had to them or just even like providing the tools for them to transform, which is what I aim to do with this podcast as well. You know, if everyone can take one idea of the one episode and whatever and go and implement it in their lives and get to a newer level, that's everything to me. And with the people, even the people that work with us, you know, like just seeing how they evolve, how they get better, how everything within who they are gets to a whole new level because of being in, in with Vice Creative or, you know, supporting the mission that we're on, that to me makes me the happiest. And that's why also after this, like after we conquer the podcasting space for our clients and for ourselves, I just want to teach other creative entrepreneurs how to do it, like provide even more in-depth um, like tools that are being able to acquire along the way to actually get to this position and the, the whole next position that I'm on, on the journey of. So like, okay, you became a millionaire, right? When exactly, you, you mentioned, I think 26, did you say that that was when it happened? But before that, what was the holy shit moment? this is going to work. Because obviously you had the vision, right? Yeah. And it's exactly like me and every other entrepreneur. You have the vision, you have the big dream, you're working super hard to make it happen, but there's no promised land, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You just have to, be, you have to take the jump and believe that you're gonna land. That's, that's how it works. So what exactly was the moment for you where you were like, holy shit, this is actually going to work? <laughs> this is a cool question. Mm -hmm. I love your mindset, by the way. I love that you want to help other creative entrepreneurs like succeed. It's so epic to be around that. Um, for me, like I remember when I started, I was working my ass off, right? I was like really showing up social media every day, like networking, running these events. And so many times it was like no people or very you know, small results in the beginning or what felt small for me or I wasn't getting paid like huge amounts of money, right? Because I'm creating the foundation of a business. But it's like I was get, I was making some money, maybe 500 to 1,000 a week, 2,000 a week, which was epic, but it's not like the big money. And so I would ring my mentor and I'd be like, I'm working my ass off and like this doesn't feel like I'm ever going to get anywhere. Like when am I going to actually, you know, see some like serious results? And she was like, Jesse don't quit. Like if you keep going and you get to these higher levels, you're going to get paid for not only what you're doing at that level, but everything you've done to create this foundation. And so I would get frustrated. I'm like, oh, like I'm, am I ever going to get there? I'm working so hard. And then, so I just kept going. I just kept believing. I kept trusting. And I remember this one day, like I'd, I'd hit that six figure mark. And then a couple months after that, I was maybe making like nine to 12,000 a month, which was fucking unbelievable, like for, for where I'd come from. Mm. But I was in this tiny town in North Queensland called Moranbar. It's a mining town. And I was at the Black Nugget, which is the one pub in the, in the country having a steak or something. And I was out there like teaching some workshops because we 
have people from all over Australia. People like find me online from these rural areas and then it's like, okay, go, go teach a workshop or do a thing. And I went into the bathroom and I went on my back office because it was payday. And I'd gone from making nine to 12,000 a month to this new level where I got $43,000 in a single calendar month. And that kind of money to me was just like, holy shit. And I remember just seeing that number and like sweating and like starting to hyperventilate like, oh, what the fuck? (laughs) This is wild. And then it was interesting because like I'd I'd tried to do a lot of work to overcome my money shit, right? Because making a lot of money is... I don't know, there's so much in society that's like rich people are assholes and like it's not spiritual to be rich and money is the root of all evil and all this bullshit, right? So you got to do a lot of, well, I had to do a lot of work to work through these limiting beliefs. I use tapping or emotional freedom technique to work mm-hmm. through that. There's mm-hmm. this YouTube video by Brad Yates where I just tap every day mm-hmm. to work through my money shit. And um, But I remember being so uncomfortable with having that amount of money because mm-hmm. like prior to that I was on Centrelink and then started to make money but then it's like this big leap to like mm-hmm what felt like huge money to me. And so I spent like all of it in two weeks so that I could feel comfortable with like a normal amount of money again. I like got all this beautiful furniture for my home and like did stuff. But then I like had too little money for the the last two weeks of the month because it was so uncomfortable. So I've had to do work to not only make money, but also like hold the money and not just get rid of it super quick. So yeah, that was probably the moment was like, well, this shit is real. Like I can actually do some big stuff here. That yeah. and uh, I was explaining to someone that when you start unlocking new levels of money, it's almost like a, a scuba diver. You have to start equalizing, you know, mm-hmm. like you just can't go from, you know, five to 10K and then from 10 to 50 or whatever without adjusting your mindset and everything around it. Because otherwise you're just going to lose the money or totally. you're going to be taking advantage of like it, it's yep. it's like a whole new level every time, right? So right now, within your level, are you? Wh- how much are you making a year? You don't have to give an exact number. I took four years off, and also COVID took a bit of a hit on our business. Mm. So I'm making on average about forty thousand a month right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which is what like five hundred thousand a year. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I made I made over a million a year for about three or four years straight, and then COVID hit, and we weren't mm-hmm. able to run events and like a whole bunch of stuff. I also just took time off because I couldn't deal with the tall mm-hmm. poppy syndrome. Mm-hmm. So right now we're building back up to the like 90K plus months, Mm -hmm. but I'm still making amazing money and I took four Mm -hmm. years off, Mm -hmm. like wild. So all all those years you were doing nothing and you were literally being paid. All those years, like through COVID, I was getting 45K a month, 50K a month and doing nothing. Chilling, swimming in the ocean, playing Catan, board games, like eating good food, just spending time with my kids, spending time with community. Yeah, doing fuck all basically, going to festivals, having fun. Yeah. How do you spend your money? How do you spend it? How do you invest it? Like what exactly do you do with your money? Well, I've invested in Focal House, that that venue in Burley. Mm -hmm. Um, I was not smart with my money. Like I could be in such a different position right now, Mm. but it's all right. I'll make peace with that. I spent it a lot on travel and experiences. Like I was Mm. flying business class all over the world and like staying in super nice places. You know, like I was 23 when I started my business. So I also wasn't in like a stable relationship and I was just like, Let's have fun. You know, <laughs> it went from being poor to making a shitload of money. So it's like, yeah, spent, spent my money on a Mercedes, got a really cool caravan, mm. drive a total land cruiser. But that's, they're not smart investments, guys. Like, mm. if you start making money, don't invest in cars. <laughs> like, have some fun travel, but maybe like yeah. get some properties going, mm. you know, invest in some good things. So right now, Jack and my partner are working towards buying our first property. And mm. yeah, like, I think property is, a wise investment. Um, once we have property, I'd like to start investing in more, you know, stocks and different mm-hmm. things like that. So don't take financial advice from me because I haven't been smart with money, but I'm getting there now. <laughs> so it's cool. We still got time. We still got time. Yeah. I oh, judge yeah, myself so, so harshly for my financial choices. And now I'm just like at this place of making peace with it. I've had incredible experiences and I still have plenty of time to own, own our own house and, you know, do things a bit differently. Yeah. And I think, to get to the top, you will, you will get bruised, you know, mm-hmm. like on the way to the top. Like there's no way. It's, it's the same for me. Like I have made so many fucking bad decisions yeah, when same. it comes to money. And that they just, some of them were plainly ignorant, I- ignorance, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I had no idea 
that that was a bad decision or or not a great decision when it came to financials and and the future of it. Some of it, I thought like, yeah, this is the right place to put my money. <laughs> no, Aww. but shit. So, what is financial freedom to you? What what exact number and why? Um, it's interesting because when I got to six figures, when I was like a kid or a young person, I always thought, oh, if I make over a hundred thousand a year, you know, like that'll be fucking amazing. And then I got to that number. I was like, oh, this is like not freedom not at much, all. Yeah. <laughs> I think minimum a million dollars a year is like true freedom mm-hmm. where you can, you know, own, own property. And also like for me, freedom is being able to buy organic food and like have any healing modality that I want to have access to and like go on a holiday and not be like, oh shit, like we can't, you know, take the helicopter ride mm. or like mm. stay there or mm. go to that really, like I want to go to the nicest restaurants in the places that I travel. Mm. And like, it's, it's choice. It's having mm. choice to do basically whatever the fuck you want. And mm. then know that all of your bills are paid. Like if you have a mortgage, knowing you can pay your mortgage and buy whatever food you want and take whatever holidays mm. you want. Like just having choice and being able to give back to causes you're passionate about, like mm. being in such a surplus. Mm. It's like I've, I've donated tens and tens of thousands of dollars to causes that I'm passionate about. So yeah, a million, a million year minimum to me is like true financial freedom. It's like baseline. That's, a, that's yeah. why it also happened to me and, and people around me, like you think like a hundred K or 200 K or whatnot is like a lot of money. And then you start doing business when you start actually stepping into becoming a business owner and, you know, having a team and all these things. You're like, holy shit, this is not that much money. No, it, like, goes, yeah. it goes quick, especially if you've got to pay a team. Like luckily yeah. in my business, my industry, doTERRA pays the people that are in my team and then I get paid for helping them. So it's like I have minimal overheads. It's basically yeah. like my my website and my mailing list and that's kind of that's it. it. Pretty much, yeah. That I had an admin wild. assistant for like 10 hours a week, but at the moment I don't because, yeah, just wasn't really working for me. I would love to have more help with like shooting content, like editing reels and stuff. So I need to invest in that at some point. You know who to talk to, Jason. I know who to talk to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what, why Focal House, by the way? That, that I thought it was such a interesting it, like approach coming from when you, you, like you started mm-hmm. the type of business you were in, like what made you go into Focal House? And can you speak a little bit more about that side of the business that is closely related to what we do as mm-hmm. well? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Music festivals have really like changed my life. I remember yeah. when I started going to Earth Frequency Festival, um, maybe like six years ago, just feeling so connected to the land and Mm. seeing other people express like through fashion and dance and song. Mm. Like I love being on a dusty dance floor with my friends and singing and like I love to sing as well. I I play the harmonium, which is like a little Mm. Indian piano accordion thing Mm. and sing mantras in circle and stuff. And I see the joy and healing that comes through play and creativity and song and dance and stuff. So my friend Riley, who's um, does a lot of costume design, she's a stylist and she does a lot of like the production and management of the performers at big festivals. Um, she called me one day and she was like, hey, Jesse, there's a, there's an opportunity that I think you should come check out. And my partner Jack and I were already looking at creating like a music venue and elixir bar on the Gold Coast, but it had kind of fallen through. Like we got screwed around with the space. We were looking at opening. So we were already interested in a business like that where people can come and um, yeah, like sing and dance and play in a really safe and loving space. Mm. I don't love the binge drinking scene in Australia like mm. that for me. I feel unsafe around drunks. I don't, mm. yeah, I don't like that scene. I've had a, an ex who was very, an alcoholic and he was quite abusive to me when he was drinking. So I'm passionate about creating spaces where people can express creatively without needing like, you know, 20 beers to like mm. socially lubricate or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm fine if people can drink and like yeah. actually do that responsibly and yeah. like maintain the integrity of their yeah. soul and spirit mm. and who they are. Mm. But when it's like sloppy and just, you know, it's it's not my scene. So mm. coming to Focal House and seeing Curtis's vision, he's a film producer, mm. and seeing his vision of like a creative hub and then mm. knowing I could create my own events there where it's like running the elixir bar. So elixirs are like blue lotus iced tea and like fun lemonades and kombuchas and stuff with like mushroom and herbal tinctures. So you can be on a really like heart opening, beautiful buzz or like have mm. energy with cordyceps mushroom and stuff without the alcohol involved. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, creating those kinds of spaces. I just saw the vision of what he wanted to do there. Mm. And I was like, fuck yeah, I'm about this. Cause Jack and I have house parties and like have DJs and live musicians and the elixir bar at home and like all these, all these fun things, but mm. to have a space where other creatives and people could come together and collaborate. Mm. I knew I would meet incredible people through the space and mm. just like 
yeah, be involved in creatives, having a place to express as well. Like I love poetry nights where like first time poets can get up on stage and they're super nervous and like mm-hmm. shitting themselves, but we can all support them to like mm-hmm. express through the written word or the spoken word, um, something that's true to their heart. Like that lights me up running like open mic shows and like getting people to sing or dance or perform lights me up. So yeah, I wanted to be a part of something creative like that. That's awesome. I have to go to the place because I, I keep hearing that a couple of people told me as well, like, oh, that place is awesome. And I'm like, yeah, I need to go check it out. I met Jesse recently and, and I need to have a look at it. But what I'm curious to, first of all, the partnership that you have with, with this person, mm-hmm. was it like a 50-50? And then also if that's the case or if you, even if you came and as an investor or, or something like what made you go into business with this guy? Like what exactly were the traits that you were looking to be like, yeah, okay, I, I believe in this guy. Because obviously you're you're building doTERRA as well. Yeah. So I'm guessing this is kind of like a more play to you, more on the side thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what exactly made you believe like, yeah, this this guy. I just go on part. energy, right? Like I met Curtis and I felt his vision and I felt his heart. He's very like open hearted like, you know, he meditates and does breath work and is down the beach every morning, you know, tapping into his own source and connection. And he just felt like a really genuine human to me and like very passionate about the creative arts. And it felt very in alignment with my passion. So just hearing him speak and share, you know, why he's doing this, tapping into his why and the purpose behind it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just like, I saw the space. It was an empty shell of a warehouse at that time. And I'm I'm one of the investors. So there's him. He's a, he's a visionary in the main person behind it and then I think there's two other silent investors so I own a percentage of the business um yeah and I just was like I back this I don't know I just trust it which is kind of like uh, risky like any bricks and mortar business is risky it's still a risky decision like it could go belly up like any venue or bricks and mortar business I mean you got to pay a shitload in rent and then like overheads and the fit out was hugely expensive so yeah, it's risky, but so far we're paying rent and like our head on bills. So that's good. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. cause how long has it been running? Uh, we had our open day uh, early Feb. So not that long. Mm. Yeah. Like maybe six months or something. What's been the most profitable side of that business? Um, we have kind of bigger events on like a Friday, Saturday night. Mm. It's like a couple of grand for that. So that really helps. But overall, I think it's just like the like the music recording studio is kind of permanently rented by a production team mm. and so and then like there's you know Riley um renting out the the creative wardrobe and stuff and then the hot desking so it's kind of like a combination of the spaces being more kind of permanently booked out which helps pay the rent but then like yeah these different events coming in so it's mm. yeah a mixed bag but those big Friday Saturday night events like really help pay the bills what are, what are the overheads on a place like that and how big is it it's a big warehouse. Like, yeah, it's pretty – I'm not sure of the exact square meterage, but it's like mm. a three-part warehouse with mm. – it's upstairs, downstairs, and a lot of quite sizable spaces. Mm. I mean, the main overheads is the huge amount of rent, which I forget the exact number, maybe like 9000 a month or something. Mm. Um, and then, you know, there's different staff costs in terms of like managing the booking system and mm. different pieces like that. I mean, like maintenance and cleaning and stuff. Like obviously you've got to clean after every single event. So, mm. um, yeah, probably rent is the main one. Mm. Who brought or who's taking charge of the part of like lead generation, like the marketing and all of that? I've seen you guys do Facebook ads and all this, but like I'm curious who brought in kind of like the approach when it comes to lead generation and marketing? Uh, Definitely, definitely Curtis and the social media side of things. And I'm Mm. more like the community word of mouth. I mean, he does that as well, like bringing people through word of mouth. But like my friend Kira Lee runs contact dance there every Sunday afternoon, which is freaking awesome. Do you know contact dance where people like use their bodies to kind of dance with each other and play? It's really fun. My friend Nick has come down and started the Liquid Lyrics Poetry event. So I bring people in word of mouth Mm. and then Curtis does um, the the social media, like marketing side of things. He makes videos and is a film producer as well. So he manages that. Mm. Yeah. Obviously, Jesse, you you have a couple businesses. You're doing super well for yourselves. Sounds like you're in a good relationship as well, that you have kids, that everything seems to be going super well. What are you currently dealing with? I'm always curious to see because obviously from the outside perspective, it's easy for people to be like, oh, Jesse has everything, you know, or she's where I could never be or anything like that. But the more I meet people that are at the, playing at the highest level when it comes to business or life in general, 
they all have something going on, some some demons that they're battling or or some dragons that they have to slay, right? So what exactly are the things that are your current challenges or obstacles or mm-hmm. yeah, that you're dealing with? I mean, I've dealt with, I've had quite a lot of trauma in my life. I've had been in some very abusive relationships and um, my health was obviously a massive challenge when I was younger. I'm actually the healthiest and fittest that I've ever been, but I still, if I eat the wrong thing, my gut will flare up. So I have to be quite careful with that. Um, for me, yeah, dealing with the, the trauma and stuff, like even now, if Jack, my partner, who is extremely loving and very safe and a beautiful man, if he'll have a drink, even like tasting it when I kiss him can sometimes trigger like a PTSD response. Mm. I was also in a horrific, uh, motor vehicle accident in 2020. I got hit by a fuel tanker at 90 Ks an hour. It ripped off the front of the ute and the whole car span around. And I don't know how the fuck we're alive. Like I think it was miraculous intervention. Um, but I have PTSD from that, but meditation actually is really helping me deal with that. I've tried like so many different things and like counseling and stuff. And just re- talking about it really doesn't like help me, you know, I'm sure it maybe helps some people, but meditation literally go in and kind of control or delete these trauma. I went on this incredible rounding retreat recently where we did up to eight hours a day of like yoga asanas, pranayama breathwork and meditation. Mm. And I can feel a lot of it, like it brought up a lot and I had some big emotional releases, but yeah, dealing with the the past trauma in my life is a thing that I continue to need to face. Mm. Um, and also just ensuring that I have a good balance of like, because right now Jack and I are like on the road to buying land. So we're working our fucking asses off to get there, right? And, and like building the business back up because mm. I, I did nothing for four years. You know, it, it went down by like half, which is pretty significant. Mm-hmm. Um, so just also finding people that want to work with us that are willing to work through their shit. And I've attracted some amazing people recently, but it's like, yeah, a lot of people say they want to do it and then kind of are unwilling to work through the shit to actually like do mm. what it takes to build mm. a business. So that's always a challenge. Um, yeah, ra- raising teenagers and raising kids <laughs> is challenging as well. Mm. Jack and I are both part-time parents because we had our kids before we met. And so mm. his um, kids have a different mom and then, yeah, my kids as well. So <clears throat> just dealing with like, you know, Dom, Dom going through puberty, my oldest son and his attitude is, is challenging, but I just try to love him the best I can and like mm. meet him on a humorous kind of level. Cause we have, we're very similar. It's like, I'm raising a pain in the ass version of myself and I'm a huge pain in the ass. So it's like <laughs> facing off with him and his attitude and like just trying to love him in that and get him outside. Mm. Like he went through that phase of like, I don't know if you did this when you're a teenager, but locking yourself in your room, playing video <laughs> games and like not really wanting to come out. So yeah. like coaxing him, like come to the beach. He's like, I don't want to go to the fucking beach. <laughs> I'm like, Dom, it's going to be fun. I promise you. And then we get to the beach and like he ends up having fun and we drive yeah. home like, Dom, see how you had yeah, fun? And he's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, I'm having fun. And then the next day I'm like, let's go do this thing. He's like, I don't want to fucking yeah. do that thing. I'm like, how do you not remember? We did this yesterday. Yeah. So anyway, I just like force his ass to get up and like yeah, go do fun thing in good. nature. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not always easy. He's just copying his attitude like, a yeah. lot at the moment, but it's cool. It's a stage, and yeah, yeah just love him in it. Yeah. So, how did when when do you have your first kid? Like, and how many do you both have? Two each one that came yeah. in. So I said, "Wow, Four boys total." Yeah, right. I had Dominic at nineteen years old, wow. and yeah, that was a fucking tough time in my life. I was very socially isolated and had no idea what I was doing, and yeah, like I had postnatal depression and a very traumatic birth and like birthing him and yeah, lots of unnecessary hospital intervention and yeah, it's fucking tough. How difficult has it been for you, the relationship side of things? Because it seems like it took you a lot to find Jack, your, your current partner. Mm, very difficult. One of the most difficult things in my life for sure. Like dealing with, I mean, insecure men that are threatened by like who I am and how much money I've been able to make and mm. a lot of men that I dated would take advantage of that and just basically use me and, yeah, just pick on me because of their own insecurities and, yeah, just kind of having to, like, come to a place. I obviously had, like, low self-worth because I was tolerating that shit, right? Mm. So having to come to this place of, like, I went into a period of celibacy and I wrote down everything that I wanted to attract in a relationship and, like, just was unwilling to deal with anything less than, like, this absolute fucking legend of a human that I was calling in, um, which I read, I read my manifestation back sometimes and like get really emotional because Jack literally represents like everything that I wrote down. I went on this breathwork work retreat and actually had this vision of being in the red, like Australian desert, singing songs around a campfire with someone named Jack, who is my partner's name. This is before I met him or knew who he was. 
And so, yeah, like two weeks into meeting him, he put up on Facebook, like, I want to go to Uluru. Does anyone want to come with? And I, I had messaged him. I was like, this is going to sound fucking weird, but um, I had this vision when I was in Bali and in a three-and-a-half-hour breathwork session of singing songs in the Red Australian Desert with someone named Jack. So do you want to take this trip together? And, yeah, that was like two weeks into us dating. So it's pretty cool. No, we weren't even dating them, but once we went on the trip, we'd been dating for two weeks. So yeah. that, that's what sparked everything, mm -hmm. the trip. Uh, yeah, we like he messaged me because we kind of had each other on social media but had mm. never met. Mm. And so he sent me a voice note being like, hey, I know you've got kids and I don't really like know any other kind of young conscious parents. It'd be great to connect with someone that has kids um, and isn't a total dickhead, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, so we like met up for a smoothie and went to the beach and I was like immediately in love with him. I was like, oh my God, he's so hot and he's got <laughs> such a beautiful heart and I feel so safe with him and he's fucking sexy. And, um, but I had to like just play it cool because he'd been six yeah. months out of divorce with his ex-wife and so I was like, I'm not going to fucking overwhelm this guy. Yeah. But I was like, he's the one. So I just had to play it cool. And then like a couple weeks later, he sent me a voice note and wanted to go out for dinner. I was like, oh, is it a date? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I was so excited. I got all dressed up, went to dinner. Yeah. Ten minutes into dinner, he was like, so I just want to share that I've got feelings for you, that I'm more than a friend. If you don't share them, that's cool. I'd love to stay friends. But if you do, I'd love to explore that. I literally like slapped the table. I was like, fuck, fuck yes. yes. <laughs> fuck yes. Yeah, not subtle at all. Like not feminine, play it cool. Yeah. Like let him sweat a little bit. Just like. Fuck yes. And so, yeah, we went for a little walk and had our first kiss. And, yeah. Yeah. And we've also been through lots of challenges, but we're in a really fucking good, healthy place. So That's awesome. Yeah. He shows up powerfully in his own life, like yeah. works out, eats really well, yeah. is crushing it in like he's joined me in the doTERRA business, but also runs his own uh, coaching. Like he has a men's group called Unchained that he runs like an online group program for men. Mm. He's a facilitator at the Gathering of Men, which is a big men's retreat. And um. He does one-on-one -on -one coaching as well and he's fucking powerful and just also hilarious, loves to dance, is an amazing singer and is extremely good looking. So, yeah, I'm very lucky. <laughs> you met like, him. So, sounds like a great man, yes. So yeah. I met him briefly on, on the event as well. Yeah. He looks cool. He looks yeah. like a really cool guy. Yeah. What are the three biggest pieces of advice that you will give to your younger self or people that are in, in on a similar journey when it comes to business, that they're creative entrepreneurs, you know, they're, they're trying to get ahead, make things happen, but it, like they just keep getting knocked down, you know, like what are the three pieces of advice that you can think that could make their life and journey easier? I think you just have to relentlessly back yourself, like no matter what, just continue to show up in the direction of your dreams like every day and just like trust and follow your heart. Don't listen to other people. Don't listen to, you know, you said that when you started your videography business, everyone was like, that's so dumb, like be a dentist, that's a smarter option, whatever. You just had to not listen to that shit, right? Because if you listen to other people, you'd go back to dentistry or do some other boring shit with your life and you're following your heart and look at you, you're crushing it. So follow your heart, trust yourself, back your own fucking dreams and just relentlessly go out after them and you're going to have to cop rejection. Like it's going to be hard. It's not going to be like, mm. oh yeah. So I've spoken to three people and all three people want to do business with me. Like, you know, you're going to have to just get through the rejection and just fully, fully back yourself no matter mm. what. Yeah. yeah. Re rejection is a big one. Hey, like when, once you get comfortable with it and understand like, okay, they're the ones missing out. Totally. Yeah. Like, if you don't want to do business with me, that's cool. You're missing out. Like, exactly. But that, there are people waiting. There are people that are literally like on their knees hoping that something like what I have mm -hmm. to offer is going to come into their life. So I've just got to keep showing up and find those people because those people will be grateful. And the other people that are like, no, that's like, ew, I wouldn't want to be involved with that. Like, cool, man. Mm. Other people do. So I'm going to yeah. keep showing up for those people. Yeah. What What's the best piece of advice that you have ever received? The best is to just like keep being myself. The worst is be more like Gandhi or be more like other people and then you'll be more palatable and people will like you more. It's like, cool, whatever, man. Like being myself triggers the fuck out of people and also people either like really love yeah. or really don't like me. Mm. And the best advice is to just be okay with that. Like I'm not, I'm not here to be liked. I'm here to be myself mm. and to empower people mm. and sometimes that triggers people if I'm calling them on their shit and I'm calling on them them on mm. where they're not showing up they can mm. either be like fuck you or they can be like thank you mm. and then choose to do better or do differently so they can thrive yeah sick is there anything on this conversation that I didn't ask you that 
you wish I did? I don't think so. I think your questions have been really amazing. I've really enjoyed the conversation with you. Thank you. It's been all channel <laughs> in the moment. That's always the best way yes. to do everything. That's why we'd, I love keeping a conversation completely real. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Of, of course, I had stuff that I wanted to ask you, but I always just want to see what unfolds because mm -hmm. if there is no script, you know, the conversation can just reveal itself the way that maybe it's just supposed to go kind of thing. Totally. Jesse, where can people find you? Where can people work with you or learn more about you? Tell them. Uh, I love Instagram for that. Um, my Instagram channel is at Jesse, J-E-S-S-I-E underscore Rhymers, R-E-I-M-E-R-S. My website is getafreshstart.com.au. And yeah, I'm on Facebook and stuff as well. But Instagram, my website, my YouTube channel as well, which is again, my name, Jesse Rhymers. So yeah, that's where you can find me. As always, the links will be down below. If you want to support the podcast so we can continue to bring people like Jesse in here, high-level entrepreneurs that can provide tools for you to achieve everything and anything you want in your life, the best way to support the podcast is to leave a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, subscribe on YouTube, leave a like, a comment if you enjoyed the episode, follow us on every social media platform at The Creative Grid. I'm at Nail for Life, and I'll see you on the next episode. Goodbyes for everyone. You.